0: You take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. That's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. Tonight we talk about the sacred romance. Does anybody here know anything about romance? Just what I thought. Well, did you know anything about it when you were young? Why'd you quit? We're talking about romance tonight. Uh, y'all ever heard of this thing like Jesus or like following Jesus or becoming a Christian or whatever you want to call it? Y'all ever heard of that? Yep. What's it supposed to be like? Is it like this duty where you don't want to do anything wrong so he won't be mad at you? Is that what it is? Is it like he's got all the stuff so you gotta be nice so you can get it? It's a romance. It's a romance. The American church has lost the fact that this thing between me and Jesus is a romance. It was designed to be a romance is all it was. I want you to look with me at the great passage tonight. Uh, We've been looking at pictures on Sunday morning, pictures that show us what he's like. This is the greatest picture in the Bible of who Jesus is and my relationship to him. Now, if some of you are familiar with this, you say, well, this is the marriage passage. No, it's not. Read one verse with me. Ephesians chapter five, verse 32 says this, this is a great mystery. Just stop right there. You ever seen that word in the New Testament, mystery? Number of times in the New Testament it says the mystery, which has been hidden from the foundation before the world. Well, there's what he's talking about in this passage is a great mystery. It's very mysterious. Mystery simply means hidden truth. It simply means hidden truth. And it's, it's something you cannot discover by natural means. I don't care if you've got a, I don't care if you're brilliant. You can't find this, but one way. The only way to find out what a mystery is in the scriptures is he's got to show it to you. So he's fixing to show you a great mystery and it is very mysterious, but it's very wonderful. And I want you to read this great mystery that he speaks of here. And this is about our relationship with the man, Jesus. Let's look in verse, uh, put it in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to verse 32. Read the whole verse. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So what is this? He's going to explain to you how he sees you in him. Now, I don't know how you see you in him. You know, he might be like the man upstairs or the guy you don't want to make mad or the guy that's got to pay your bill. I don't know how you see him, but he's fixing to show you how he sees you and how he sees the relationship. This is, all right, let's, let's listen to it again. This is a great mystery, but I'm going to talk to you about Christ and the church. It's the relationship between Jesus and the church and it's wonderful. Let's begin in verse 25 where he talks about it. Husbands, love your wives As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What's he speaking of? He's talking about that he loves his bride. He loves the church, but how much does he love her? That man died naked on a cross for her. He didn't die on that cross because the Romans killed him. He planned his death. Why? Read, Read the verse again. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and sacrificed himself for her. He laid down his life for you. He, he went through all, it was planned. He planned every aspect of it, and he wrote about it 1,200 years before it happened. You can go back and read in the Old Covenant where he, the, every, every detail of the cross was written 1,200 years before he ever came to earth. But he planned it. But why did he do it? Tell me why Jesus died on the cross. Love your wives like Christ loved the church and died for her, sacrificed for her. Well, no man can do this unless Jesus helps him. Let's go a little bit further about this great mystery. The verse 26 says that or so that. Now just pause right there. When you see the word that or so that, that tells you why he did it. Why didn't Jesus die for me on the cross so I could get into heaven? Let's read it. That he might sanctify and cleanse her. How many of you use the word sanctify a lot in your daily talking? (laughs) I don't know why they don't. Well, I use an older version of the Bible. The the new King James need to be new again. Here's what the word sanctify. Just put make beautiful. To sanctify something means to make it beautiful. So Jesus died for me so that he could make me beautiful and cleanse me with the washing of water by the word. Jesus has a, he has a goal. He wants to make me into something. He didn't want to make me religious. He didn't want to make me a servant. He wants to make me beautiful. But how does the Bible say right there, he's going to do it. He's going to wash me or cleanse me with what? The word. Now listen to me. We're not talking about the Bible here. I know people that study the Bible, have degrees in the Bible, and they're just like the devil. So the Bible will not make you like Jesus. It's the living word that he speaks to you personally. It's got to be the spirit of Jesus speaking through his word. And when he speaks through that word, something happens to me. This this is a great mystery, how that he speaks to me. And uh, he said, now, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her so that he could make her beautiful by talking to her, by speaking to her. Now, men, you need to to learn. If you want your wife to glow in the dark, learn how to talk to her right. Jesus makes us beautiful by talking to us. And his words are powerful. And he said that he might make her beautiful by the washing of the water of the word. Verse, so that again, he might present her to himself a glorious church. What's What's the end game of everything going on? He wants to present himself something. A glorious church. And the Bible said, that she should be holy, put the word beautiful for holy, without blemish. Right, what do you hear right there? Somebody getting married, aren't they? This is the description of Jesus loving his church like a bride. And he takes her just like she is, but he begins to speak to her. And he begins to talk to her and he begins to love on her. And as he speaks to her, she doesn't clean herself up, she doesn't change herself. He does it. And he does it by speaking to her by his spirit. And over time, you can, and we've got people sitting in this room, I've known people. That, uh, I'm, I'm, I listened to a little couple now. I want to use uh, the De La Moras. Her name is uh, 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 Bri- I believe Bridget De La Mora. Might be wrong. She was a major porn star, starting over 250 pornographic films. And somebody, and, and because of her upbringing, and somebody talked to her about Jesus, and Jesus touched her, and she flat fell in love with him. Left the pornography industry. And now she ministers. If you were to look at her, you would say that girl's never done anything wrong in her life. She is that beautiful inside and out. You know how she got that way? How does a a mega porn star who spent years in the porn industry, how does she look like a little child again? Innocent. How's that? That's Jesus. He spoke to her. He's going to do the same thing to you. Now see, American religion puts so much emphasis on you trying to behave. What does the Bible say? Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you so he could change you by talking to you and letting his word speak to your heart, which transforms us and changes us. All right, we're not done yet. Read this with me present us to himself, holy and beautiful. Verse 28, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. There's one of the great secrets of human marriage. Men who don't love themselves can't love their wives. You can't love your wife till you experience the love of Jesus for you. And when you experience the love of Jesus for you and begin to love yourself the way he wants you to, it's so easy to love your wife. This is the root of human marriage. But now watch this. Watch this, verse 29. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord Jesus does the church, period. All right, nourish means to strengthen. What's the word cherish mean? I've had women say, I I wish I've numerous women have told me, I wish I had a man that would love me like you love your church. It's obvious you really love her. What does the word cherish mean? To adore. What's the Bible saying in that verse right there? What does Jesus think about you? No man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and adores her as Jesus does the church. Can you see the romance in this? Ah, that man is slap, he adores you. I said, Brother Pryna, you just don't know me. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a great mystery. You don't know him. Amen. It's not about you. Amen. It's about him. This is the mystery of how Jesus chooses the, the most unlikely bride and then begins to speak into her life and transform her. And if you're a boy be her in this case, and just transform her into this beauty and how he absolutely, stark raven, adores her. He said, Brother Brown, Christians are messed up. Look at the period at the end of that verse. I don't see anywhere it says he adores her if she, I just see period. He adores you. You said that, that don't make sense. That's why it's a great mystery. That's why it's beyond human understanding this is the heart of Christ for his people. Anybody that follows him becomes his bride. He absolutely adores them. He's, he's just crazy about them. Verse 30, uh, we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. You ever heard this? Verse 31, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife to become flesh. Isn't that the marriage verse? No, read the next verse. I'm talking to you about Jesus in the church. Do, do you understand that physical marriage between a man and a woman, God created it. It is a picture, a revelation of the relationship between me and Jesus. Now, he's my shepherd. He's my vine. But what's the highest picture of me and Jesus? That man adores me. He loves me. Listen to me. This whole universe was created for one reason. So this man could find a wife for all of eternity. That's the only reason the universe exists. It's not about serving the Lord. I didn't marry my wife to wash my underwear. She left. She left. That's religion. Saved to serve. You weren't saved to serve. I didn't marry her to work for me. I married her to have a friend, somebody I could adore and love. You said that's marriage. This is marriage. This this is a great mystery, but I'm teaching you about Christ in the church. If people ever could get a revelation of this great mystery, they would relax. And they would enjoy how much Jesus loves them. Who in this passage, who's responsible for doing all the stuff? You've got to straighten up. You've got to try to do better. I don't see that anywhere. You know what I see in here? I see the only thing I have to do is listen to him and let him talk to me. There's power in Jesus' voice. And when Jesus speaks, something happens to me. Something something happens on the inside. We're headed, we're going somewhere. And the whole purpose of the universe is so he could find a bride to adore for all of eternity. And that, that, uh, this is the great, this is not just the revelation. This is the great revelation of the Bible. It's the great revelation of the heart of Christ. And it's a great mystery concerning Christ in the church. Listen to me. This whole thing about Jesus being a Christian, it's a romance. It is the sacred romance. And then everything flows out of that romance. Are you with me? I don't want you to you say, well, I don't. I, I don't uh, how do you see this thing? So, I, you know, I want to serve the Lord and do what I'm supposed to. You talk about your wife that way? I'm going to be good to her. I have to. Some marriage you got there, doc. Religion is a duty. Romance is a joy. And the American church has reduced this sacred romance to a duty to be performed. How, 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 much, how much do I have to read my Bible? That's like asking me how much do I have to kiss my wife? Romantic people don't worry about how much they, to. they get to kiss. They don't have to kiss. Can I get a witness out there? The teenagers are not here tonight. We're going to talk freely. All right. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 too, be renewed in the, in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the way you think so you can experience God's best. We've got to change the way we think about things. We've got to line our thinking up with this book instead of the junk we've been taught sometimes. All righty. How many of you have you ever heard of like romance that was red hot at one time and then it like cooled down or died? Hallmark movies. Are you with me? I remember the Righteous Brothers? I'm old enough to remember the Righteous Brothers. All right, there's your old people there. Yeah. I love the Righteous I feel so sorry for this young generation. Their music is crap. You've got to go back to the 60s and 70s to find decent music. Can I get a witness? All right. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. They had a song one time because you never close your eyes anymore. When I kiss your lips. And there's no tenderness. Remember that? You're trying hard not to show it. You've lost that love and fear. It's a song about this couple that was so crazy about each other and then it just died. What happens when a couple fall in love with each other? Crazy about each other. Crazy about each other. Just romantic love. Slobber love. You know what I'm slobber love. And so they get married because they're in love. And then all of a sudden something happens and that, that love it just sort of begins to diminish. What was a joy becomes a duty then. And uh, what was once a, a, a powerful sweet marriage becomes a small business. And we we share a mortgage, we run a house, did you get the kids? Did you get the laundry? You change the oil in my car, you need it inspected. How sad when this passionate romance becomes just a small business or a duty. It was never supposed to be that way. And that's exactly what happens. And, and then when it becomes a duty, after a while it becomes a bondage. <laughs> I'm talking to this guy one time, we just chit-chatting, he found out he was a preacher and I asked him, I said, you know, you so-and-so this. I said, you happily married? He said, I'm happy and I'm married. <laughs> he said, but they don't have nothing to do with each other. How many people do you think got married like that? Not one. Nobody gets married because they have to. Well, in India they do. There's people get married because they're crazy about each other. How do we go from that? Can't stop thinking about you laying awake at at night and thinking about how do we go from that? Not not hitting each other, but just cool off. How, How does that happen? All right. I want you to see something here. Why don't you turn to a Revelation? I, by the way, let, let me say it again. Jesus adores you. He absolutely cherishes you. Yes, he does. you, you we, none of us have measured the depth of... You see, we, we talk about the love of God. The love of God. I didn't talk to my wife like that. I love you, woman. <laughs> well, you don't. that's not... That's like, I don't know. That's like military love. But I don't know what kind of love it is. Romantic love don't talk like that. I write songs for my wife. I, I used to write poetry, but she, I get tired of her laughing. I adore that woman. <laughs> I talk to her different. I tell her, I love you. There, there, there's affection in my voice when I talk to her. There's there affection in the heart of Jesus for you. Now, here's my question. Does it matter to him whether I give it back to him or not? I not you to look at something unusual. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, now remember this book is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's where we see what Jesus is like. It's where Jesus is revealed. I I, I just go into churches, I don't know this God they have. I'm not being, I just don't know this God they have. He's mad, he's distant, he's cold. I don't sound like a passionate romantic lover to me. The book of Revelation is where Jesus reveals himself to us. And this is, and right here in Revelation number chapter one, he reveals himself. Chapter two, he begins to talk to his bride, talk to his church. How many? I used to do a lot of marriage counseling before my church got to a certain size. How many times have I sat in a room with two couples that had been married for several years, something went wrong, and and uh, I'll just say, well, what was the problem? And the girl would just, broken hearted with tears, will say, he don't love me anymore, and and something just died in that marriage. It's not, he says, I, I, I'm faithful to a preacher. I, I pay the bills. She didn't get married for you to pay the bills. She didn't get married for you to lay around on the couch and be there. She got married to have somebody adore her. Y'all didn't know this? Didn't read a book or something, watch a movie. look at what he's saying to the church. Revelation 2, 2, he's speaking to the church, to the angel of the church. Revelation 2, 2. Watch what he says. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that means endurance. You cannot stand those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and not you found them liars. You have persevered for my patience and have patience, have labored for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Listen to me. What'd you hear right there? You are serving me. You're enduring. These people were suffering. You're going through the suffering. You're you're doing more than you've ever done. How many of you think Jesus ought to be happy with people doing that? Watch what he says next. Nevertheless, verse 4, I have this against you. You have left your what? They still loved him. What did he say? He's not angry here. You don't talk angry like this. What's he saying? Yes, you're still going to church. Yes, yes, you're obeying the rules. You don't tolerate sin, but you don't love me like you used to. You've left your first love. This happens in marriage and it happens with Jesus. What do you say to him? You, you used to be crazy about me. I used to be the absolute delight of your heart. You couldn't go a day without being around me. And uh, you, you, technically, you, you, know, you still send me a card on my birthday. You still tithe. You still go to church. But you're not crazy about me anymore. Listen, let me ask you a question. Why would he care? I mean, as long as I'm going to church and not cussing, shouldn't he be happy? Why would this woman who's so upset in my office care whether he loves her like he used to or not? He's paying the bills. She's got a beautiful home. She gets a new Cadillac every two years. Why should she care whether he loves her or not? Talk to me. You know what it is? When you love somebody like this, you want them to love you back like this. Why would Jesus care whether I was crazy about him or not? What's the answer? He's crazy about me. You know, if he's just this cold deity that, did you cuss? Cuss today? Paying your tithe? All right, go to church. Check, check, check. All right, go on. Next. Where would we get that junk from? There can't be but one reason he wants me to be crazy about him. What is it? He's crazy about me. Love wants to be Reciprocal. He wants, he wants to love me like that. And he said, I, you don't... Now, he, listen, they still love Jesus. They didn't love Him like they used to. And the, what, what happened here? The romance became a duty. Christianity became a business instead of a passionate love affair with the most wonderful man in all the world. Christianity became, a, became service. I got to witness. I got to teach. I got to stay in the nursery. <laughs> instead of a crazy love affair with the most wonderful man. You hear the heart of Jesus? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He he didn't create you so you could work for Him. He didn't create you so you could sit and listen to preachers fuss at you. He created you so He could have somebody to love passionately. And you love Him back passionately. That's the only reason this universe exists. The man is looking for a bride for all of eternity. That's the only reason the universe exists. And that's, that's... when people come to me, they become Christians. They say, what do I do now? And I said, just love Jesus like crazy. Everything else will fall in place. That's it. Uh, I'd wash my own underwear if my wife had loved me. Do you understand what I'm saying here? <laughs> Which she does both. Yeah. Verse 5. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. What do you say? What, what do you say? Don't you remember what it used to be like? And right, I'm sitting with a couple one day. And I love them dearly. They're friends of mine. And they're having trouble. They've been married maybe 10, 12 years. And it's just something happens. I think nobody says, all right, I adore you. I'm crazy about you. I Can't wait to marry you. But all right, after we've been married a couple of years, let's quit paying so much attention to each other. And then we'll just sort of get busy and we'll just sort of drift. Nobody does that. Life does that to you. And uh, they're sitting there and she's crying. And, and finally, was, you know, we just, I didn't know what to say. And finally he just said, he looked at her and he said, I just wish it could go back to the way it used to be. How many people have I had to say that? What well, did Jesus said right there? I wish it could be the way it used to be between me and you. I wish we could be crazy about each other. like He's still crazy about you. I showed you in Ephesians 5. He still adores you. He still cherishes you. He's still talking to you. He says, I wish, I wish we could go back to what we used to be. Now, <clears throat> surely when you was dating, you was more exciting than you are now. <laughs> you weren't. I, I was a blast when we was courting. I'm a blast now. I mean, there ain't no sense letting it die now. Can I get a witness? Amen. Don't slow down at 65. Doctor the end's inside here. <laughs> Verse 5, remember from where you've fallen. What is rem- Listen, memory is one of the greatest things God ever gave us. Now, Satan uses memory to beat you up. But what did he say? Think back to what it used to be like. How many people have had to tell me I remember what it was like? I'm talking about their, their marriage. But then we need to remember what it used to be like with Jesus. In the early years, he said, "Remember from where I watch what you said. Remember from, uh, remember from where you've fallen. Repent. Do the first works. Let's start over again. Let's start over again. Now, let me give you a revelation. People wonder why the church in America is so powerless and impotent. It's in verse five. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent. Do the first works, or I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you start loving me again." You know what the lampstand is, don't you? You're the light of the world. You're the influence of the world. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel. They put it on a lampstand. I've placed you in a certain place to be an influence in your community. But if you don't love me, you're going to lose your influence in your community. This is the reason American churches are so impotent today. I hear preachers preach entire messages and never say the name of Jesus one time. I know Christians that talk about everything under the sun, but the name of Jesus means nothing to them. Dear ones, it was not supposed to be the the Christian social services. It's not supposed to be welcome wagon. It's supposed to be a romantic love affair with a man, Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We sing a song here called Jesus be the center of it all. He has been pushed to the side, even in the church. There was only but one thing worth living for, and that's the face of Jesus. And to enjoy Jesus personally, enjoy him in his spirit. And he said, I want you to turn back to me and let it come back. It's so important to him. Uh, All right, let me make an announcement. So, Brother Brian, nobody can be as excited as they were in the early days. Where'd you hear that from? You say, you're talking about my marriage or me and Jesus? Both. Why are you, you know, you start out, baby, I love you, baby, I adore you. 30 years later, ladies, get me some cigarettes. You just... (laughs) Somewhere, something has happened. It's not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to be crazier about Jesus the older you get. Can I go a little further? You're supposed to be crazier about your wife the older you get. Take your Bible. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5. Oh, he's going he's gonna to read it in public. He sure is. He did not create us to start out red hot and then fizzle out and crawl across the finish line in marriage or our love for Jesus. It's supposed to get better. Years ago, we had a song, Every Day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with my sweet, we've been married 41 years last week. Every day is better than it used to be. We're in the best times ever. I'm crazy about the woman. I am married to the best looking 60 some year old on the planet. All right. Listen to what the Bible says. Verse 18, Proverbs five eighteen, Let your fountain be blessed and tolerate the wife of your youth. What does it say? What does it say? What am I supposed to do with the wife of my youth? Rejoice, enjoy her. What's the key word for marriage? Joy. Why'd you get married if you weren't going to enjoy it? I swear I wondered. No, listen. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Make it wonderful. Joy the wife of your youth as a loving deer. <laughs> as a hateful old battle axe and a crabby old couch potato. No, as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Listen to what God is saying about marriage. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Can I get an amen on them breasts? Talk to me. Goodness. I didn't write it. <laughs> That's what the Hebrew word all means. And here, here's what I want you to see. Watch these words? Always, always, 25, 40, 65, always be intoxicated with her love. I've been around a lot of couples. I ain't met many men that was drunk on their wives' love. This is his plan for you. You're not supposed to be a dud. You're not supposed to. Baby. All right, I've married 360-some couples in my life. They're standing there at the I always, about 15 minutes before the wedding, I go back to the bride room, check on the bride, tell her, last chance? And I tell her, you're excited, and she's just, she's just slobbering. I mean, she's just so excited. It's her, what's her wedding day? I, I know it, I'm there. Then I go back, in the, you know, in the back room, me and Bubba, we got to walk out together so we'd see him. I said, you all right? fun. Fine. I just tell them, I'm going to make you cry while you're up here. You watch. All right, so here comes the bride. They get down there and they're they're sitting there, but they're looking at each other. They are so lost in love. It's just. And of course, he recites his vows. They could be written on the back of a postage stamp. She pulls out four legal pages and she's going. They are so in love. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to die. It's supposed to get better. He's intoxicated with her love. He said, son, like, love the, joy the wife of your youth. Be, it, be intoxicated with her like a loving deer with a graceful doe. This, this is... <laughs> where'd we get this dull God like, fine, kiss her and get it over with. <laughs> Who created romantic love? All right, I'm fixing to go big here. You ever heard of a book called The Song of Solomon? It'll make you sing. The Song of Solomon is the greatest, one of the greatest romantic novels ever written. Matter of fact, a lot of people won't read it because they think it's X-rated. <laughs> Strong R. <laughs> Men will read it tonight. You watch. they'll going to what? <laughs> so, what? Well, where's that Bible, sweetheart? I got to read that. <laughs> <laughs> the Song of Solomon is one of the most passionate romantic love stories between. A man and the Shunammite, Solomon and the Shunammite, between a man and his wife, it's just, I'd be scared to even quote it in public. I mean, it's, it's you see, it's nasty. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's a, but it's romantic love. It's not this loveless sex that our nation's hooked on right now. It's romantic love. And it's a picture between Solomon and his sweetheart, the Shunammite. But it's a picture of Jesus and the church and his great love for her. And how she is the absolute apple of his eye and how he adores her and he watches her. I'm telling you, Jesus is crazy about his bride and he wants her to be crazy about him. It's a romance, dear ones. When did it become a business? When did it become, well, I got to serve in a nursery. That's fine. Thank you. If you serve in a nursery, God bless you. Thank you. But there was just between me and my sweetheart. It's not about mowing the grass and washing underwear and making sure the kids get fed. Yes, marriage has become a small business, but what was it supposed to be to start with? A romance. It should never have died. Should have been that the whole time. There's a lot of good stuff in Proverbs 2. Boys, get that Bible out and get to reading in it. There's good stuff in there. All right. It, it, it's this great mystery. All right. Now you saw in Revelation chapter 2 where Jesus said, go back and do the first works. Why do marriages slowly lose the romance? This is not hard. Because they stopped doing what they did to get there. They stopped doing what they did to get there. All right, I met my sweetheart in college. Um, I'd planned my classes around watching Tanford and Son at nine o'clock in the morning. And then I had 10 o'clock class. I would get up early because like her dorm was over here all across the quad. Mine's over here. The cafeteria's up here. I knew she had the early class. I would get out of the bed two hours early, get dressed just to, to stand out there in the bushes, by the bushes, not in the bushes, but you know, by the bushes. <laughs> And I would watch to see her come out on the front porch of strap dormitory and start walking. And then I'd start walking so that we'd intersect. I did that most mornings. Y- y'all didn't do that. <laughs> well, was yours an arranged marriage? Where are you from? Look here. I was just, I was crazy about her. I would think about it just crazy. I lo- it's never stopped. They don't have to. I-, I just don't understand what is wrong with marriage and this thing with Jesus. But, but. Why does passionate love for Jesus die? Just quit listening to him. I've had couples that they just come apart for a long time and they'll say, you need counseling. I say, you don't need counseling. You need two weeks by yourself at the lake or at the beach. Y'all just go hang around together. Watch what happens. And they'll come back. They'll be fine. You, you see, you know, how you, you know how you kill a marriage? You don't have to do one thing to kill a marriage. You kill a marriage the same way you kill a plant. Stop watering it. If you don't water your marriage, it dies naturally. If you don't write songs to her, it dies naturally. And you can steal somebody else's melody. It doesn't have to be all original. If you, if you don't work and water your marriage, it dies. If you don't water your relationship with Jesus for how long, you just go to church. And we lose the romantic love that we had for Jesus. We rekindle it like that. All right. Uh, it's all about romance. Let me, let me say something here. When the sacred romance dies, nothing works anymore. But you know, I don't, I don't care if you're, if you're, if you're, I don't care in a marriage, if you're rich, the money's there, you got great jobs, you got great kids, you polish the kids. I don't care if you got a beautiful home. I don't care if everybody's impressed with you. When the romance dies, nothing works in that home. Then was in the church when our deep, passionate love for Jesus dwindles, nothing works anymore. I want to show you another picture. Turn to Romans chapter seven. This great picture. People ask me all the time, what, "What can I do to get more people in my church?" I, you know, I just have the—I have a tendency towards smart aleckness sometimes. <laughs> you're asking the wrong question. You know, if they keep pushing me, I'll tell them, "Put beer in the lobby and let your singers go topless." You have plenty of people in there for long. <laughs> I mean, might as well with the stuff we're doing to get people in churches now. <laughs> Dear ones, you're just—you're our thinking's so wrong. Why do we train people on how to build churches? Why do we train people to run ministries? I want you to see what Romans 7 says about it. Romans chapter 7. Look at this. Romans chapter 7 verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. When Christ died on the cross, he fulfilled the entire requirement of the law for you. He did that for you. You've died to the law's requirements. Here's why. That you might be what? What? married married to another to him who was raised from the dead that you should bear fruit to God you don't know how you see things happen in churches how you see things happen in your life you know how you bear fruit to God marry Jesus and fall in love with him can you see that the the way things happen in the kingdom of God is not by planning and training it's by marriage to Jesus all right there are no teenagers in here so I'm gonna paint the picture you should be able to see it here what's the picture here of a beautiful woman who's courted by this man. He adores her. He invites her. He asks her to marry him. They marry each other. And they love each other. There's a romantic love. The, they're not even trying to have children. The children just show up because of their love for each other. You understand what I'm saying here? People wondering how can wondering, how can we get this stuff to happen? Love Jesus. Get with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. The fruit comes when you abide in him. We're trying to create all this false fruit today. I, we are preachers out trying to get them to do stuff. Jesus is the center of it all. I want you to listen to what he said in John 15. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. If you don't abide in me, you'll wither. If you don't work on your marriage, it'll wither. If you don't work on your relationship with Jesus, and I don't mean read X number of verses a day, it's like I asked my wife, how many, how many times you must say, I love you today? You know what she'll tell me? None, sucker. I don't need that stuff. It, there was this, it's of the heart. It's of the heart. What You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. The, the man don't need your money. He don't need your time. He wants your heart. I, I don't... I don't I don't care if my wife doesn't bring a dime into marriage. I'm the one that didn't bring a dime into it. I I don't care if she washes my underwear or not. I I don't care if she cooks or not. We'll we'll eat sandwiches. I want her to love me with her heart. Everything else falls in place. If you quit loving somebody from the heart, everything dies. Then it always goes back to the heart with him. It's always a heart issue to love Jesus passionately with the heart. And... uh, but listen, Romance Alive, when, when, when you just flat, you're, you're with Jesus and you're connected with Jesus, everything works. Everything. Our, goal is not, our goal is not fruit. Look, can I paint a crazy picture out of Romans 7, 4? Here's a woman. She wants children more than anything in the world. So she, so she grunts. And she, she, grunt, she grunts real hard. And she dreams of them. And she tries real hard. You ain't having no babies till you get you a man. Am I over your biological head here? You ain't having no babies. The way you have babies is get you a man. You say, Well, what are you talking about? This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking to you about Christ in the church. Demons, the way great things happen in your life is to touch Jesus. Walk with Him, talk with Him daily. Let, draw close to the man. Let Him draw close to you. He's chasing you. He's chasing Did you guys chase your wives or what happened? Right. I, I was I was in Florida for an internship summer of 77 fall of 77 came back to school I've been dating this girl and it didn't work out for both of us so I come back summer 77 and been at college a day or two and had a transfer student my wife went to UNCG and couldn't find a husband there so she transferred to our, the college I was at and uh summer of the fall of 77 September I saw her I fell slap in love with her the first day I told you that right, that's September I asked her to go out with him, and She said, I'm not sure. I asked her, I said, are you you dating somebody? And she said, I don't know why. How many of you knew when you were dating somebody? (laughs) You either are or you ain't. And she put me off September, October, November. I kept hanging around. I showed up at her house at Christmas time. we, We were friends, but she wouldn't go out. I just showed up at her house. I was hunting up in Halifax County. Had to go back to Charlotte. I found out where she lived. Just showed up at her house. Her boyfriend was there. They'd gone over to Southern High School to see that bells and th- the Christmas program. And she said, well, we I said, I'll be here when you get back. Hi. Her mother invited me for dinner. <laughs> we had a grand time. That boy didn't seem right. We had a wonderful time. Uh, January, February, I kept asking. March, I kept pursuing. I'm thinking, golly, finally April. You know, you gotta, you gotta change. If it ain't working, boys, change. Finally, I said, okay, we can't go. I said, look, I'm singing in Charlotte for a wedding. I got nobody to go with me. Would you just go with me to the wedding? She said, all right. Said, that's, a, that's a half a day. <laughs> John, I chased that woman for months. You know why? I adored her. And She finally just said, I guess I got to marry the sucker to get him to leave me alone. I don't know what I'll do here. <laughs> we love each other dearly. But I'm going to tell you, we worked at it. It's not a business. It's a love affair. I treat Jesus the same way. I get up first thing every morning and say, where are you? I don't, I don't do my quiet time faithfully. No more than I kiss my wife faithfully. I chase Jesus. I get up first thing every morning looking for Him. And guess what? If you look for Him, guess what happens? You will find me when you look for me. What? With your heart. I want to know Jesus more than I want anything. I want to hear that man's voice. I want to see His face. When they sing that song... Like, even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm sitting there thinking, now, now. You say, so, oh, Brother Brian, I, I don't want it to end now. Something is terribly wrong if you don't want Jesus to come back right now. Amen. Amen. Dude, this is not a forced marriage. I promise you, we love Jesus. I'm right, marrying this guy years ago. He used to be with, with uh, Wailing Jennings Band. I'm going to marry him. And uh, I was a little nervous about this thing. Uh, you know, I stick my nose in people's business. This is what preachers do. And uh, we're in the room. It's 20 minutes. We've got to go out. And I said, are you excited? He said, I guess so. And he's a good guy. And I thought, what do you, what do you mean you guess? I said, you, you're supposed to be peeing in your britches right now. What do you mean you guess so? <laughs> he said to me, look, if it's the will of God, I'm going to marry her. I said, well, we've got 18 minutes. We've got to talk. I said, uh, you don't seem really excited about this. He said, look, some people have prophesied that we're supposed to be married. We're going to get married. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. We, we don't do this right here. I said, you, you don't marry you're going to marry somebody because some woman prophesied over I'd just assume here a donkey brain, a tin barn at midnight. We ain't going to do that stuff right there. I said, listen to me. I said, I said, do you, are you crazy about her or not? He said, no. I said, oh, doc, I, we got four, we're down to 14 minutes now. You got to listen real fast. I said, this ain't right. And I talk, I'm talking as fast as I can because I'm in down. To, now they're fixing to go, here comes the bride. But it's fixing to be, here goes the groom. That's <laughs> what it's going to be. I said, I said, you can't do this. I said, you, I said, you, they'll kill both of you. I said, the prophecy was wrong. You don't listen to some woman's prophecy. You listen to God talk to your heart. I said, do you, are you crazy about her? He said, no, not really. He said, she's a nice girl. I said, oh, there's a million nice girls out there. I think the issue, Doc. I said, you, I said, run. Get out of here. I said, I'll go. I'll straighten everything out. You just get off the property. He said, I can't do that. I said, oh, yes, you can. I said, I guarantee if you go through this five years from now, you're going to wish you'd listen to me. Amen. Amen. He said, no, I'm going to go through with it. I said, this is your last warning. I said, I'm not going to charge you for this one. And I ain't responsible for what happens. <laughs> we went down there. He, I, I married him. I mean, I was eating. I just thought the whole time. He looks like he's standing on the trap door of the gallows. <laughs> and he was. Then was you, you, you know what that is? There's no love in that. That's not romantic love. They shouldn't have gotten married. And they did not make it. Mm. It's tough enough if you're crazy about somebody. Can I get a witness? finally got an amen out of y'all. Well, that song of Solomon, you're just happy about that. <laughs> was you. you marry somebody because you're crazy about him? I hope this don't get me thrown out of the theological club. Don't follow Jesus because you don't want to go to hell. Follow Jesus because you're crazy about him. We don't love him because we're scared of hell. Show me that in the Bible. Let me quote to you. We love him because he first loved us. I I worship that man because he's crazy about me. And that right there, what I just said, everything flows out of that. Everything flows out of that. I told him one time, I said, I'm not having much fun preaching these days. He said, remember, I said, here it comes. And he quoted to me, just impressed on my heart. John 21, 16, do you love me? Tend my sheep. And listen to what he said. I didn't ask you if you like tending sheep. I asked you if you liked me. I said, full time. Dear ones, we've got to get back to the simplicity of just loving Jesus. Everything, everything flows out of loving Jesus. Everything flows out of the desire to hear Him. All right. I've had several of my couples in the church. I've got one right now, one of my young ladies. Her husband left a few weeks ago. He'll be gone for six months. He's deployed. They're married. Amen. They're committed to each other. they got the piece of paper to prove it. they got the wedding bands. But that ain't enough. You tell me what's on his mind all the time. When can I get back to her? What's on her mind all the time? When can we be together? Because marriage is not about a piece of paper. It's not about rings. It's not about sharing a mortgage. It's about I want to be where you are. Marriage is about two people on to George. I love, I tell my sweetheart, just, just come, just sit beside me and lean on me. Just lean on me. I'll be happy. You get this age just all you can do is lean on each other. Say, lean on me. Come here, baby. I am just thinking about that. I said, come here, come here. So I just, I don't care what we do as long as we're together. Now, you know, I, I don't, I just want to be where Jesus is. I, I want to hear his voice. It's a love affair, dear ones. It was, it was only supposed to have been a love affair. It's all it should have ever been It was just a love affair. And Romans chapter 7 verse 4 tells me the fruit is a byproduct. The fruit is a byproduct. Now we had three children. We wasn't trying. We was loving. You don't know what to say about that, do you? I'm Children show up, do you love each other? Amen. I'm surprised we ain't got 30. I don't know what the deal was. I'm telling you, I love it. It's, it's all about the romantic love. Let me tell you what somebody did. We got time. Real quick, let me show you one more. Turn me to Philippians 3. If I say it, you'll get mad, so I'll read it from the Bible. I've never understood why. I was, I'm not a religious person. I never was into religion. I just met Jesus and he's wonderful. And all I want to do is follow Jesus. That's all I care about. I couldn't care less about religious programs or stuff or they bore me. Jesus is the most wonderful thing in all the world. He is the joy of my life. Hearing his voice is what I live for. I've never understood this religious stuff. And uh, there was a man once and he was very religious. You won't get any more religious than this man was. I to listen to what he said. Then I found out what Jesus was like. And he said, I threw my religion in the garbage so I could enjoy Jesus. Tell me who that man was. He wrote most of the New Testament. Romans chapter, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3. Put in verse 5. He's talking about his religion. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. What did he just say? I was born a Baptist. I was born a Southern Baptist. I'm the conservative side of the Southern Baptist, and I've never broken one of the commandments. And I'm more zealous than anybody else in my church. Watch what he says. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, important to me, I have counted loss for Christ. I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as what? Is rubbish garbage? Sure is. He said, what I used to live for is garbage to me now. He said, my religion means nothing to me now. Verse 9. To be found in him. Verse 10. That I might know him personally, and the power of his resurrection conformed to, this, to his death. He said, he said, the only thing I want to do now is know Jesus. He said, I used to be the most religious man in my church. I've thrown all that in the garbage. I just want to know Jesus now. All I want to do is know this man. There was a, there's nothing wrong with religion. I know I hack it all the time, but it is the rice cake of the soul. It's a cheap substitute. You want tell the difference between knowing Jesus and being religious? I'm going to tell you anyway. All right. I'm riding down the road one day. I think I've told this, but I'm 65 now. I'm riding down the road one day and a dump truck. I'm the slowest person on the highway. Don't give me the finger when you go around me. And I, I drive, I'm the last person left. that drives the speed limit, actually under it. Dump truck goes around me and I look at me as a girl sitting in a dump truck on the passenger side. Well, that's unusual. I looked up again and I looked up and it wasn't a girl, it was a mannequin. Y'all remember this? And she's got, she got her arm propped in the window like this. She had on a red blouse, brown hair. She had on sunglasses. Had the seatbelt across her like this and she's riding like this. She's a good looking mannequin too. She's a good looking mannequin. And she's sitting like this and I'm wondering, I'm thinking, why has he got that mannequin sitting in that dump truck? And I'm just looking up there wondering, he saw me, he was older, he was older than I was. And uh, he saw me, he left. he went, and then he went on around me and I thought, so I'm thinking about this. To show you how messed up I am. I'm thinking, there'd be some advantages. You'd always get to pick where to eat. She'd never disagree with you. Good looking. I mean, there's some advantages. Don't try it, but there's some advantages. Then I got to thinking, there's some disadvantages. I I can't imagine how a mannequin could hug you. Probably wouldn't do much for you. Nobody to listen to you. Nobody to tell you I love you. Nobody to share life with. It'd be a little cold. So I decided I'm sticking with the old flesh and blood version. You keep the mannequin, I'm going to keep a real woman. Are you with me? By the way, that's good advice. (laughs) With my hand in the air, the sweet Lord Jesus began to speak to me. He said, That's American religion right there. He said, It looks good. It makes you look good. There's no life to it, there's nothing for your heart. Nobody to speak to you. Mannequins are good looking, but they don't get you excited about anything. He said, you, you don't need to impress people with your religion. You need to know me personally. Amen. Listen, Jesus is alive. Yes. He's well. He's wonderful. You were created to know that man. Yes. The only reason you were created is to hear his voice and enjoy him. That's why people say, do you serve the Lord? You know, my answer is, I enjoy the Lord. Are you a good husband? I don't know. Ask her. But I do enjoy being married. We need to enjoy Jesus as much as we enjoy being married. Now, some of you need to go get in the car and look over her and say, I love you, Martha. (laughs) Get up tomorrow morning, you need to look up and you need to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Let's go back to what it used to be. That's what we need to do. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. How did we take this simple romantic love affair between the greatest man that ever lived? And a bunch of undeserving people that you fell in love with, how did we turn it into this religious thing we got going on? How, how, where we have to perform? and how did this happen? Dear Jesus, how do two people that are so crazy about each other get to where they don't even talk to each other anymore? They just they just you know, wash the cars and wash the clothes and pay the bills, and they don't even look at each other anymore. What happens? Well, I don't want anybody, I don't want that to happen to anybody's marriage. You said that we're to be intoxicated with the wives of our youth and enjoy them all the days of our lives. Well, that's, that's why you created marriage. It wasn't to be a burden, it wasn't to have children, it's so we could enjoy each other. I want to pray for every marriage in this room. Take it back to what it used to be. Take it back to that first day. That's why you created it. I trust you for that. Then I want to pray for everybody in this room that knows you personally. Take it back to the sweetness of Tis So Sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word. To where we come to the garden alone and you walk with us and you talk with us and the joy we share, bring back the joy of your salvation. Make it the joy of Jesus. again. Let people feel you again. I've just got to find Jesus again. And I pray we spend our lives working on our marriages, bringing joy into our homes and working on our relationship with you to bring joy to you so we can hear you. I trust you for that. Lord Jesus, the lifelessness in our homes and in our churches, we weren't created for this. We were created to be alive and excited all the days of our lives, intoxicated with the love of Jesus and the love of our sweethearts. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the sacred romance that you've created so people could know you personally. Well, Lord Jesus, I look forward to the day when you blow the whistle and it's all done down here and this experiment's over and uh, your word says, you didn't say we're going to a trial. It didn't say we're going to a standing. It said we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb and we're going to be the bride. That's some more great heart that loves this right here in a wedding dress. You are wonderful. Thank you for the day we do see you face to face. And we see the smile on your face and the delight in your eyes for us. Oh, what what joy our hearts will be to know that. We trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.